Welcome back to the EDM podcast. My name is Sam Matler and this is episode 98 with Apache. Uh, now, if you're new to the show, this is a talk show, a podcast where I interview artists, uh, producers, engineers, industry experts, you name it. If they're in the music industry in some way, shape or form and they're interesting, I get them on the show. Now, I really wanted to get John uh, Apache on because he's got a super interesting background uh, before he got into production full-time, which is what he's doing now. Uh, so he studied electroacoustics for about two years, and that's not the traditional career path, let's say, for a music producer. And then he worked for Apollo Studios, uh, great experience there, and then kind of fell into um, producing, touring full-time. So we talk all about that. Uh, we talk about his, his, his experience working, uh, at Apollo Studios and the kind of work that he did. We talk about electroacoustics a little bit and um, and we also dive into uh, classical music and what us as producers can learn from classical music. Uh, we dive into his workflow, what that looks like, how he comes up with ideas, how many of his ideas end up being finished. He's got this really awesome way of working, which we explain near the end of the interview, so make sure to listen to all then uh, we talk about what his day-to-day looks like, how he stays focused and creative consistently. We talk about writer's block a little bit. Uh, in general, it's a great interview. Enjoy it. Let me know what you think and make sure to check out his music and his new release, which is out today called Do It. That's all from me. Without further ado, here is Apache. <laughs> You know what's really annoying? Spending $30 on a sample pack and only finding 10 to 15 usable samples in it. I've spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on sample packs over the years, and I've run into this problem again and again. Sometimes you get a good sample pack, and other times you download one or buy one, and there's only a few sounds you actually like and you'll actually use. Splice sounds solves this problem. You pay a small fee each month, it starts at just $8, price of a few coffees, and in return you get a bunch of credits. You can use these credits to download samples, loops, presets from popular artists and sample pack labels. Now Splice Sounds has an extremely helpful library so you can find the sound you want really quickly. And the best thing about this, about Splice Sounds, is that you only need to download the samples you want. Uh, You can preview the sounds, favorite them, or just download them straight away and have them show up in your door automatically. Unlike downloading a sample pack uh, where you have to get everything, even if you don't want to use it. Now, as an EDM product listener, you can get your first month for free. Just head over to splice.com forward slash EDM prod and use the promo code EDM prod when you sign up. Again, that is splice.com forward slash EDM. EDM prod and promo code EDM prod. You can find this website address and promo code in the show notes as well in case you forget it. Welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined by John, better known as Apache. John, how's it going? Yeah, good. Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. Love your music. Um, let's start off by talking about your background. How did you get into music initially and how have you got to where you are today? Give us the long 
detailed story? Oh, the the like the really long story. I I don't know. I don't even know if I know it myself because it kind of like <laughs> started maybe just a the long back. story. <laughs> yeah, I I guess I can just like shorten it in some ways. Um, I've like always kind of been like. Uh, busy with music as uh, I grew up in a, like in a family where everyone was playing instruments because uh, my parents found it like really really important and um, they were playing instruments themselves so uh, I grew up I remember I, I tried a few instruments but I really kind of got s- stuck with drums because I've I loved like how intense like drums were, uh, but I even played like violin and uh, piano for a bit. But like really, as a, a really young child, I barely remember it. But uh, but I remember testing it for like a few months. Um, but yeah, at some point, um, I couldn't play the drum anymore uh, because we were moving from like um, a, a place where uh, like a place where I could play drum to like a city where it was becoming more and more difficult to do that. So I like guess I kind of switched, sorry? Like it was too loud to play the drums. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Like when you live in like a city like Brussels, it's, it's you can rarely find a place where you can play whenever mm-hmm. you want without, mm-hmm. you know, pissing off everyone around <laughs> you. So, um, so I remember not really could, like I couldn't really afford like a, a, an electronic drum machine. It, like I j- I don't know. I think I just randomly started um, looking into programs, but especially because one of my older sister uh, installed Fruity Loops on my dad's computer. But like I was like nine back then, you know, and then how how did that start? Yeah, I think she wanted to make like hard tech music because she was in like the hard tech scene in Belgium back then. But, uh, But yeah, like, I don't know. It was like. I'm not going to count, but like 16, seven, like 16 years ago, maybe uh-huh. no, no, a bit less, but anyway, um, she installed it on the computer and, uh, and I just realized that was like the old Fruity Loops. I remember like three point something and you could just <laughs> click on those like dots. And then it, when you click, when you press play, it, it plays the beat, you know, mm-hmm. and just that kind of amazed me. Cause it's like, oh, it's like playing the drum, but you just kind of click there and it's and it's doing the groove you know and it it really just started from that till till today like really just from that so what happened after that you're you're picking up fruity loops um your older sisters downloaded it is there a point where you're like okay this is this is awesome like i want to do more of this i want to take this to the next level honestly i i I never felt like there was a point really that's that's mm. why i said i kind of just fell in it and, and it just evolved as like years and years passed by i don't think i, I at that time i was doing it like i was playing because like mm. i was not working in it i was literally sure. playing you know and yeah. i think it just evolved that i was playing more and more and years and years later it just became kind of a th- like a, a a more important hobby and um and then at some point when I was like later, when I was 15, 16, I started showing what I was making with it to other people. And that, that, that was maybe more kind of a point where some people were like, oh, this is actually kind of cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made me want to do more. Right. And, and then the other big, bigger point was after high school, you know, you kind of have to choose what you're going to do in life. And 
Mm. Um, I was like, I have no clue what I'm going to do, you know? <laughs> so, um, I think at that point, cause I was already DJing and uh, you know, but it was all kind of a hobby. Yeah. Um, yeah. like nothing serious. I didn't have dreams of like, Oh, I'm going to do this of my life or whatever. I, it was just like, I was doing it because I loved it. And when I had to decide what to do, I just thought, okay, I'm going to go study in sound, sound engineer and like maybe electroacoustics because it involves a lot of sound design. Yes. And, um, and I decided to do that simply because I felt I'm just going to do the only thing I'm kind of good at. So, mm. because I, I didn't really see myself in anything other than that. So it wasn't really from a dream. It was really from like, that's what I like to do. So I'm just going to try to do that, you know? which is kind of weird because I mean, it kind of became a dream because obviously I want to, you know, I want to make a living out of what I like the most in life, but, yes. but I wasn't really seeing it as like, I feel so many people like around me or, or like young kids these days are like, yeah, so this is my dream. I want to become a DJ mm -hmm. and I want to do that. Like for me, it was really like, just, I was doing it for fun. And, and then I realized my fun could become kind of a job at some point if I work hard, but. Yeah, that's kind of how I saw it. And then after studying, studying it for a while, I met the guys from Kenny Ballen and, um, and I guess that's when it became more, more serious because that's actually when I started making money out of like right, actual right. music. But on the meantime, I was uh, like, I was already studying for sound design and then I got an internship at the Apollo studios and then I started working there, but that was really like post-production work. So like, so it started with sound design, post-production, uh, recording like ads. And, and then slowly in that company, I started making music for advertisement, but that wasn't mm -hmm. like, that wasn't what I, what I do today. It was really just, just like making, honestly making shit music for, for <laughs> shitty ads, you know, but it was awesome because yeah. it's the best school you can get to, he, like, you have so much like different approaches to to production like mm. one day you 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 have to do something like super poppy the other day like it's just always kind of a new challenge every day right. so it was a big school like a kind of the best school you can get and uh, and yeah so that's why it shapes around the years you know really mm. slowly but surely i'm so curious what like for those who don't know what electroacoustics actually is <laughs> could you explain that first of all bullshit <laughs> no um no i mean it's 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 really cool i just uh, i feel like the people that really do that a lot um kind of make it they want to they want to show it as like kind of a sort of science behind yeah, sound yeah. and and honestly it's just a bunch of like old guys that discovered how to manipulate sound and and create new sounds that don't exist in real life and and mm. and they just try to to have fun with it basically and and oh uh, yeah well what it is exactly electroacoustics is it's it's the study of sound and and audio and and when you study it like the, you get composition courses where it's basically sound design but it's super abstract so the the, the composition right. they're going to ask you to do or are, are just like abstract uh, exercise of just you taking sounds or recording sounds or, or synthesizing sounds and just have fun with it. And uh, by, by certain, you know, they will, they will specifically ask you to do things so that you work on some sorts of aspects of sound design. But, 
it's really super abstract. So it's so abstract that at the end, when you do that, you like, if you have to, to actually work in the sound, uh, in the sound design world, you, you kind of clueless. Cause like all the, the stuff you have been studying is just so random, you know? And, and then, and then they ask you something really concrete, like, like you, they, they give you like a video or an ad, like a, a movie or, or, or trailer or whatever, and you need to do the sound design for it. And you're like clueless. Cause you don't know how to actually, you know, do that. Cause you've only learned how to, to do electroacoustics, which is super abstract, which is really fun though. But, but not, not practical. No, not very practical just because it's just, it's two different worlds. Like studying mm. for audio engineer to then do sound design is very different from like electroacoustic studies. The the thing that is really good about electroacoustics is, is studying deeply what is sound, like the acoustics and like, and, and everything around it, but they're never going to give you the tools to actually have a job with it after. It's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of like philosophy of sound, you know, it's, Right, right. It's not very concrete. Would you say though that for producers listening, there uh, there's any value in learning the basics of how sound works, um, of how acoustics works? Do you think that's helpful for producers not to learn, not to spend two years studying it, but to just to learn a few core facts or techniques or whatever it may be? Do you think there's value in that? I think it's for sure. It's it's valuable. Like it always helps you and. And the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to actually understand what, what tools are doing. Even if you, if you never touch any like hardware gear, mm -hmm. everything that, that you have in DAWs, like in Ableton and whatever, they're all copies of what, what actually physically exists. So if you understand wow. what, what the machine is doing with like an electric signal or, or, a, a, an actual acoustic signal, you will always understand better what the tools are doing. However, I see so many like talented people that have no clue what they're doing or no clue what, <laughs> what kind of like, the science is behind it. And they're doing amazing thing. It's, it's really up to you, up to what interests you. You want to, you want to lay down your emotions in, into music or you, you're passionate about sound and you just want to understand technically everything, you know, it's, it's two completely yeah. different approach. I, I find. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I have noticed people that are super smart when it comes to this kind of stuff, like the knowledge, the theory side of things, but their music sucks. Like yeah, they just uh, obviously of course. Applied. Yeah. It's two completely different things. Has it, has it helped you in your own productions and your own journey as a producer studying that or not really? Because I know some people study at university, at school, something music related, then they get into production and they find that they can't really apply any of it or they don't apply any of it um i don't think it really helped me uh, that much but it did kind of help me because well first i learned english because it was uh, the, the the studies were in english and um my english used to suck back then it still does but definitely less than back then and i right. think um I, I mean i guess i learned a lot but I don't think my life would be so different if I wouldn't have studied that. Yeah. Cause you can, everything I'm doing now, I could have learned it on YouTube as well, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. So going back to, you know, you're working at, uh, Apollo studios and you're starting to get ahead with production. Was there a point for you where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this full time, the music thing. Um, 
or again, was it kind of you just fell into it or? Uh, I, I guess at that moment, there was a, there was a point where I had to quit, but mm. that kind of happened when, well, I was working nine to five in, in those studios and, yeah. uh, and on the side, my project Apache was working more and more. And then I started getting more bookings. Um, obviously at the beginning, more in the weekend. And then, um, I was starting to try to get like, you know, more days off so I could sometimes leave for the weekend. And then I would ask like a week off to go to Europe. And then I was asking so many days, I actually mm-hmm. realized I was like, okay, this is like not happen, like not gonna go yeah. well because they like, they need me there. And, and mm-hmm. I'm asking more and more days off. They were really cool. Like they were, they've always been super supportive, uh, with my side career and, um, but yeah, at some point we had a talk and, and they were like, we cannot afford to have you gone that much and everything. And then, yeah. uh, and then on the, at the but that was kind of good. Cause at the same time, uh, I remember we, we were planning, uh, like a three month tour. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. So like where I went to like Asia, Australia, Europe and the U S so that we were talking about it. And then at the same moment I was I, like, I got yeah, they basically told me that I couldn't like, they couldn't afford having me gone that much. So at mm. that point I just realized, okay, well, January, I'm like, I'm going to quit and, and I'm just going to go for three months on tour. And then who knows what's going to happen after that. I was kind of scared because yeah. you know that's kind of <laughs> like jumping in the water. Suddenly you're like, okay, now I have to live out of like producing my music and touring, you know, but I'm I, luckily it's been years now. It was like four, it was that was 2014 yeah four years ago and everything went well since then like so i'm glad but i remember clearly like feeling like i was jumping in the water that that day and and then yeah i didn't have it at a studio afterwards because i was making all my songs in the studios where i was working you know mm-hmm. and uh, that was another point where i was like wait if i don't work there where am i going to produce my music is like okay i don't really have a studio at home and and again with that they've been so cool and so supportive i remember for a good year after i quit they still allowed me in their studios in the evening. So yeah, the bosses were like super cool. And, um, and I just kept going there till a point where the staff changed so much that I realized sometimes I was going there and I didn't even know the people that were there. And they were just like Mm. wondering like, who's that guy that is just like in the (laughs) studios, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm an old, like, you know, a, a old, an old colleague kind of like, you know, it was just <laughs> weird. So at that point I, yeah, I kind of made myself a home studio and then, and then, uh, till pretty much recently I was just dreaming of having a, a cool studio and I finally mm-hmm. built my studio like six months ago and now I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm in my studio right now and it feels fucking amazing. Dude, tell us about that. How, like, First of all, why did you build a studio? Because you had your home studio, and then what was the what what process did you go through? Uh, well, I I went through the process of like having my workspace in the same living space, and it was mm. first I didn't find that healthy. You know, yeah. you just like going out of your room, and then you go in your like living room that is slash kind yeah. of a studio, but the acoustic was shit. Yeah. I couldn't really have better speakers than I had because. 
the acoustic was not worth buying better speakers. I just oh, found like yeah. everything was just not really um, like the best to be productive. And since I, I, I had the luxury of working in really good studios in the past and now I kind of had to just live with that. Um, it just felt wrong and, and sound, sound quality and, and the comfort of working in a studio is just so important for me that at some point I was just looking for options to, um, to maybe, um, go rent a, a studio's place somewhere, or I was just trying to change the situation. And at the same point, uh, the Kenny Balen, um, office wanted to move to a bigger space and the space was a little too big, I think. And that's where they started thinking of like, they wanted to maybe also uh, build studios. So we just kind of te like teamed up and they built two studios. I, I built mine and um, like just in next to the office. And now we're just all together in this, um, like in the, in this office and, and we all have our studios. It, it took like, it took a few months. Uh, yeah. And and actually the guy who, who built it, who designed and built it, the studio is actually a guy that built studios um, for a lot of studios in Montreal, included the ones I used to work for in the past, which oh, was, wow. that was kind of funny too. Cause uh, at some point I was talking to him and then I realized the studio I was working with, he actually built it like in the past and he, and he was about to build my own now, which was really funny. It's just like, Oh, well, so I, I worked, I worked in a studio you built and now you're building mine. That was, yeah, that was, that was kind of a mind fire. It was amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Um, now I want to talk about your release in just a moment, but before that you've had some experience in the publishing and licensing space. Tell us more about that. Yeah, that's, that started more or less around the same time where I jumped in the water and like quit my, uh, that job in the, in the Apollo studios. Uh, we got an, like an offer to, to license, uh, the, the song battle Royal, um, for an Adidas ad. That's how it, it, it basically started. And, uh, it was for the haters gonna hate campaign, uh, kind right. of a big Adidas campaign back in the days with, uh, like Messi and some other, um, that's like huge. big uh, f uh, soccer player or football players. Um, and when that happened, I guess we kind of got put on the map of like, uh, with license uh, licensing agencies, they kind of got like an eye, like, oh wait, they actually take him maybe like, you know, get some licenses. So we, we got it signed on, on licensing agencies that were kind of okay, big. And then from there we just build it. And, um, I guess, uh, since like my sound is very like influenced by classical music, but also very yeah. kind of like street hip hop, but, and, and bassy at the same time, it, it attracts a lot of people to have that music in their, in their videos, you know, in their trailers, in their like sport ads or video games ads. So, and yeah, from, from there, I think I just kind of got into that, like into that world. And now it's, I feel like I'm doing more that than, than like touring and everything. It's just, yeah, I'm constantly working on things related to, to, to that. Where does the classical influence come from? Because I like most electronic music producers I talk to do not listen or know anything about classical music. Yeah. I think that's sad because it's, it's, it's the basics of everything. You know, it's like yes. the, the first people on this planet that studied like 
harmonies and, and chord progressions and they, they were writing classical music and they were pushing those Mm. those techniques like far beyond what we do we just simplify everything today mm. well because people just like simple things but i just i just generally like i've always been fascinated by by it and i listen to a lot of it and i guess just simply because it's the most pure form of yeah of, of building melodies it's just yes. but they go in all directions because they, they studied it so much to be able to write it that they that they didn't really enjoy simplicity that much. They were pushing themselves to more complicated, like, yeah, structures, you know? And, um, and I think that's what fascinated me the most back then when I started listening to it. And today I'm, I, I kind of simplify, um, simplify classical music and put it under the norms of, of today's electronic music. And, mm -hmm. And it surprises me so much how how cool it sounds, you know. Yeah, I mean, to to me at least, that's why I do it, you know. And and also because I I feel there is not a lot of people doing it, so I like doing different things. If there's someone listening to this and they just heard you say that and they want to learn more about classical music, either so they can incorporate it incorporate it into their own music or just so they can learn more about it, um, what would you recommend that they listen to? like the core songs or symphonies or artists, Mozart, Beethoven, what would be your recommendation? Um, well, that's a tough one. I feel like there is so many eras of like different, different, there is so many different styles of classical music inside classical mm -hmm. music. True. Um, well, my, my favorite ones are the most epic ones because I just, I like epicness and I like, I like, uh, things when it sounds big, you know, and as yeah. much as like bass music sounds big, that's why I like it. Classical music can sounds really huge as well. Um, so that's why I like composer like Dvorak. I like Beethoven's, but not everything. Um, I like Mozart's Requiem a lot. Not everything that Mozart has, has done, but, uh, his Requiem is super epic. Um, uh, and then for for like more complexity like i guess it's it's always cool to hear stuff like what chopin has been writing for pianos or mm. what bach has has done but um the problem with all these are like these composers they have written so much music in their life not everything is like is like catchy and you can relate yeah. it to, to it like directly. So it's not like, you know how you consume music today. You just click play. If you like it, cool. If you don't like it, you skip, you know, um, you can't really do that with classical music because it takes mm -hmm. years to actually understand it and appreciate it. So it, it doesn't work with today's way of, of, of consuming that, that music. Um, and I think that's why it's not very popular. Um, today mm -hmm. but um but i certainly feel like if you get that magic of like composers like Bach um or chopin like or stravinsky or tchaikovsky like they, these guys have like w they went so far into it that if if you catch it at some point then you you're just gonna open a door of like pleasure you know totally and totally. um and and yeah depending on what you like just give yourself some some time sometimes to actually enjoy it and maybe start with the classics 
in classical music, like the most catchy ones that you might just enjoy for some reason. And just by listening to it, I guess it you're going to start appreciating more of that. And then it's going to, yeah, open that door, I guess. Mm-hmm, 100% agree. I think one thing that has been lost is just like, like just listening to music in and of itself. As in everyone nowadays listens to music while they're doing something else, which is fine, or while they're driving um, or while they're studying or working, but like sitting down and listening to a piece of music and just like that's all you're doing, you close your eyes and listen to music, that's that's like an awesome experience. I need to do that more. Yeah, no, same. Funny enough, like back then when when people were writing uh, classical music, that's what they did because yeah. there was no form of recording it. Exactly. So, so that was an activity. So when you were listening to classical music, it was, that was, that was the activity of, of just mm. being there and listening to someone playing it because you couldn't just play, press play. You, you, you needed someone to play it for you. And when someone plays it for you, you, you would just actually be there to listen to it. So it was kind of always a concert. Mm. There yeah, were no, really you know, there were no MP3s or like finals or whatever, you know? <laughs> and I think that definitely changed the the game. And and you're right; it's people don't don't do that enough. Just sitting and listening to music, paying hundred percent of your attention to it. But even yeah. me, like I don't do it enough. But I definitely do it, and I really enjoy doing it when I'm traveling, when I'm in in a plane or whatever. Okay, so I'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Uh, but I want to mention Splice again. I mentioned it during the intro. Splice is a platform and community for music producers that's revolutionizing the way that music is produced. And they have a few different tools. They have Splice Studio, which allows you to collaborate online with friends and also share project files with your fans. They host remix contests on their community page. Super cool. They offer plugins on a rent-to-own program, so you don't need to pay a huge amount of money up front for a synth like Serum uh, or the Isotope Suite or anything like that. And finally, they have Splice Sounds, which is my favorite. I mentioned it at the start of this episode. Splice Sounds allows you to pay a small fee every month for a bunch of credits, which you can use to download the samples you want to download. And I use this a ton 90% 90% of the samples I use in my songs are from Splice Sounds. You know why? Because I handpicked them. It's really easy to filter through their library online and find the sounds that you need. Uh, maybe you're looking for a vocal sample for a project that you're working on or a serum preset. It takes only a few seconds to find something on the website that might inspire you to make a song or finish your song or make progress on it. Now, as an EDM product listener, you can sign up to Splice Sounds and get your first month free. Just head on over to splice.com forward slash EDM prod and enter the promo code EDM prod when you sign up. Again, that is splice.com forward slash EDM prod promo code EDM prod. You can find this website address and promo code in the show notes as well in case you forget. I think as a producer, like it's, it's really, it's a really good thing to do. Like just listening to not just classical music, but music in the style that you make. Cause when you intentionally listen, you pick up on so many things that you wouldn't pick up on if you're listening passively. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. hundred percent. 
Yeah, you you're totally right with that. You well, because you have hundred percent of your attention to it. So yeah, you're like, oh, I never noticed that. Like that, the kick drum is like this, or that they add this extra little melodic part in, or something like that. And then you listen to that and you apply it in your own music, and you just learn. Anyway, switching gears for a moment, you've got a new release out uh, today called "Do It." Tell us more about that track and and how it came about. Um. So I guess I was kind of like playing around uh, with some some vocals and like a vocoder, um, just like turning vocals into kind of robot sounds. Uh, like I, I've done that in the past um, a few times, and uh, I think the, the the most important song I did with that was Black Gold, and it's been years since uh, since that song. But I know people are people are still asking me when are you gonna do it's like a song with that same type of like synth voice um said so that vocoder and i just felt like oh, okay I'm, I'm in the mood today i'm in the mood to do it so it, th- that song just started out of that just like messing around with that with those like vocoder robot voices and then and then i built it an entire song out of it and um uh, yeah that's that's pretty much how, how it started and it, it went pretty quickly as well i feel like i've been working on songs for like some for like more than a year and and i'm still not releasing them and this one i just kind of i was messing around and then at some point i was really satisfied with it and i thought okay all right i'm gonna release that one soon and everything went kind of quickly while other songs i'm still kind of planning with my manager and everything like how are we actually going to release that and it's like Mm. yeah and it's taking forever and everything while that one was just okay cool we have everything let's just release it and that's it it's, it's funny how some songs take like hardly any time and then others just, they take a lot of effort and time. <laughs> I know. I, I know a lot of people say, uh, yeah, uh, there's the songs I wrote super quickly were my best songs or whatever. I, I totally dis like, I, I totally don't think that, that, that it's true. It's sometimes it's true, right. but for me, it's like, since music is like, it's, it's all about like the emotion you feel when you listen to it sometimes just to get that right emotion it takes takes forever sometimes when you make it quickly you feel it directly so so you're satisfied but it's like i know some of my favorite songs i've made i took sometimes a lot of like for example majesty i i've been i think i started that song like three years ago or more and and i released it like last february so uh, how do you push through those this favorite one what how do you push through those kind of long projects though? Cause I know a, little, a lot of artists struggle, like if they've got a project that's been going on for months or a year, it's really hard for them to push through and finish it. They normally just quit or abandon the project and start a new one. How do you push through and finish it? Well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's only a matter of uh, motivation. Like mm. uh, the, the, the reason, like I have, I have like a, a million other projects that I will not finish. Uh, for those right. reasons, I think. Uh, but if for some reason you feel the need to go back to that project, it's because there is something in there that you like. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of ex- extracting what you like from it and then the rest m- make it fit with it so that it, it becomes 100% something you like. And I think that's uh, that's that's the problem with most like old projects when you, when you sit on it for so long. If you listen to it and you're like, man, well, let it die fuck it you know mm, yeah. uh but if you listen to it you made it like a long time ago and and it it has you, you have been sitting on it for forever 
like for some reason you like it, but you cannot finish it because you don't find the right way to finish it. You can just leave it there for a bit and then come back to it when like sometimes it, you can try 10 different things on a song and it's still not going to do what you want, but there is yeah. still something you like. Well, just keep trying. And at some point you will unlock a door, a different perspective that you, you had not explored mm -hmm. before. And it's going to make everything work suddenly. It's like, it just, you unlock the right groove or the right melody that, that would make, make it work somehow. And I think for majesty, that was, that was that for me. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the most amazing things about production for me is like you can have that project, you have that idea, you try a bunch of different stuff, you're still stuck. Then half a year later, you're like listening to Spotify and you hear this song come on and it has like that groove or a certain melodic idea and you just think like that's exactly what I need. Like That's going to oh, yeah. work with this project and then you go back to it and it works and you finish it. Amazing feeling. Yeah, it's really like you have unlocked something like – it's amazing. I, I love that feeling too. So would you go through a lot of different versions with the track? Like you start out, you've got a melody, use a different drum beat, doesn't work, try something else. Yeah, I do. All the projects I have where I'm, I feel like I'm stuck, but I kind of like it. I, I actually export parts of it like samples. So I put hmm. it in my sample library and I write the, like the BPM and the key. And every time I'm working on something else, sometimes I try it. So I, I drag and drop it, you know, I, I drag and drop that, like that melody or the beat or sometimes the entire song just to see, oh, does it work with this? And sometimes when it works with this, it just unlocks it. And, um, and that's how you can sometimes combine, uh, that intro with that drop or like, you, you know, you can combine things and sometimes you have really extraordinary at surprise, surprising results. And, uh, and that's why I, I use my songs as, as samples because I love mm. sampling so much that I sample my own songs in some ways. <laughs> and, uh, and that really helps me unlocking things because you can just by, just by doing that, you know, like on Ableton, you can just warp, change the tempo, yes, change the yeah. key quickly. And then sometimes you get some extraordinary things out of it. Yeah, that's that's such a helpful thing to do. And I've recommended before um, to producers that if you have like a bunch of unfinished projects on your computer, uh, go through them and like take from the project things that you like. Maybe you've built a drum loop that you really like. Well, export it as a sample like you just said. And then you build your own sample library super quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's say you're starting a new project uh, what does your workflow look like? How do you come up with ideas? And then how do you take those ideas through to a finished song? Is there some sort of process you follow or does it change every time? Um, I guess it, it depends on what mood I am. Um, mm. Because I have so much actually uh, unfinished projects that it, it's uh, it's rare that I start a project from scratch. Right, I, I, right. If I, like, if I want to start something new, I'm basically just going to go check what I have. Do I have mm -hmm. a cool intro I've made or do I have a cool something that will inspire me or put me in the right mood I am right now mm -hmm. uh, that will inspire me to write something new? And I kind of always start with like a mood that already that I've already made or like that somehow exists, you know, um, most of the times. 
and some other times I'm like, I'm in the mood to, to have those kind of chords where I feel, um, like I, I, I've make a, I've made a lot of like more chill tracks where I want to lay down some jazz chords, for example. And that's, that's, that, that these are, um, examples where I know I start from scratch cause I start just with chords. So that then mm. it's just, you open a Rhodes piano or, or just a simple piano and, and you lay down chords and then you start your entire song out of these chords. But then you, you actually, you start making a, a chill song, but then you end up with chords that are so interested, like interesting that you can flip it into anything. And that's mm. sometimes that's what I mean by, I don't really start anything from scratch because I would, if I would do something from scratch, I would actually just do these chords and then put it in my library. And then right, maybe right. two months later, I'm going to reopen those chords and I'm going to be like, Oh wait, I really feel those chords. And then you end up making a drum and bass song with those chords while you actually <laughs> originally wrote it for like a chill jazz song, you know? And that's yeah. what I have constantly. So, um, yeah, it really just depends on like what mood you're in and, uh, and what you want to do with it. I think that's a great way to approach production though. I mean, for one thing, it, it does a good job of maybe not solving, but fighting like creative block, writer's block. Oh yeah, that's that's for sure. I, I like, I don't, I've, I've never really like struggle with that, but mm. I struggle with something else, which is maybe the opposite. And that can be a, a struggle as uh, I, I, I have so much songs that I cannot release that I, that are just so different from each other, different genres, um, mm. from, from like neurofunk drum and bass to wow. like literally jazz to like really moody, chill, uh, like I have everything and, and everything in between. So, so I don't know what to do with all that because I spent so much time into it that it's, I'm losing time, you know? I could just be every day like, okay, I'm just gonna write another banger because that's good for my career. But mm -hmm. I don't do that. I really just go by the flow and which which is actually not very good because sometimes I, I'm i so attached to ideas that are so far from what my fans may like or what, um, right. what the scene like. So, you know, uh, that I kind of force it into it and uh, mm. and it's not always good, but I do it simply because I like it and um, mm. and I know it's not always good and and like I've had a lot of people just being like oh yeah that's cool but I don't hear you in there and I'm like yeah because I I went for a different mood you know and yeah I think now it be, and I hope that's what I'm I'm starting to build is people actually hear that it's me because it's every time fucking different but still mm. kind of, I always kind of try to sneak some elements where you can hear that it's me, but yeah, there is so much that is just unreleasable under my current project, you know? Have you thought about like a side project or putting it out under a different name or is it not worth the time? Oh, I think about it every day. Hmm. Like really literally every day, but it's just so much time already. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I do think about it a lot and I, I think eventually it's going to happen, but, um, but yeah, having one project working is already so much work that I wouldn't like to do another side project yeah. where I wouldn't be able to put hundred percent of my time as well. Um, yeah. so I think I'm going to do it the day I will find someone, uh, I really connect with musically, uh, where we can share 
the, the workload, you know, like uh, 50, 50. So that would, that would really help, I guess. And that's eventually what's going to happen. I think if I do a side project, cause I do already so much alone, I, I, I need to share more with other people, but, mm-hmm. but it's tough to find someone you, you really connect with uh, like musically, like on, on, on a lot of levels, you know, um, mm-hmm. even though I connect with a lot of like producers cause I love so much stuff, but, um, it's always one particular genre cause most of, most of artists around there have like one genre and kind of s- stick to it. Um, and I'm going to relate to that specifically, but if I want to start a project with someone, it needs to, it needs to be someone that is super versatile and that kind of also feel a lot of different genres as well. As part of your goal, like I, I think about producers like, Matzo, um, a few others like that, where they can make pretty much any genre. Yeah, and yeah, is like amazing. Them. Yeah, is that kind of your goal in a way? To you kind of mentioned it before, like you can make different genres, yet people still hear you in it. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the goal. Yeah, mm. and that's definitely what I what I work what I work on, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It really annoys me when like. Uh, fan bases or like fans of producers get so angry when <laughs> when you release something else yeah, as if they're yeah. entitled to a certain type of music from you yeah L- luckily i've been kind of uh, lucky with like angry fans like i don't think i have that many but good but yeah it it happened before and uh and yeah i see a lot of like hate sometimes but you know, at the end of the day, that's the difference between a producer that makes music for, for himself or for, mm. or, or for others, you know, like it doesn't really affect me as like, I don't really care what you think. Like, uh, yeah, like deep yeah, down, yeah. I don't really care what you, what you think of it, you know? Yeah. I like, I'm going to do it anyway. So that's like, I, I was, I think things that I changed over the years is like, I used to not give a shit that much that I was not following, uh, BPMs nor, um, sorry, um, nor like keys. And, and I was like, I was doing structures. Like I was making songs that were basically unmixable, like no, any DJ can mix it and nor I could mix it, but I just didn't give a shit. I just felt like putting this that way. And then I think that's what changed over the years. I, at least I do care a little bit now about, yeah doing things a bit more so that other people can relate a minimum, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And we live in a, a streaming age as well. Like I, I noticed some producers, I'll talk to them and they'll be like, they'll, they'll say to me, I'm struggling with arrangement, like arranging my song in a good way. And I, I just say to them, find a song that you like and copy out the basic structure. And they're like, yeah, but I want to be unique. And it's kind of like, there's no, there's not really such thing as a unique basic structure. Like it, it should follow, you know, if it doesn't follow, you know, eight bars here, then a chorus and so on and so on, the listener won't understand it. They'll be confused and it won't make sense to them and it's not going to get played. Well, classical music doesn't have any structure. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I mean, there is actually a structure behind it. It's just, it's sometimes so complex that it feels like there is zero structure. But it's it's not a good example. It's it's again kind of it's funny. I feel like today in today's music, what people know, classical music is the black sheep now. Mm-hmm. Did 
it's like they're the punk of music because like <laughs> the way they write things they they have so much rules and so not rule like they can do whatever yeah. they want like there is there is actually no rules but but they have a way to calculate it in some ways well like in every other genres i feel like people are doing things under the rules so that it's gonna work it's a good point yeah there's a lot of like un under the rules in electronic music production oh yeah, yeah. Some, some people break them and it's like holy shit that sounds good yeah like um you know what people already said to the song I just released? Do it. It's like, oh wait, but you don't really have a, a, a real rise to the first drop. And I'm like, <laughs> no, is that bad? There is a rise for the second drop if yeah. you want it, <laughs> you know? But I didn't want it one for the first, so deal with it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't affect my emotions. I like it the way it is. If it's a problem for you, just listen to the second one then, you know? <laughs> Oh man. Um got a few more questions then we'll we'll wrap this up. What does your day-to-day -day look like? What's your pattern for staying focused and uh creative consistently? Um so that really depends on how long I'm actually staying in Montreal because right. tours really, really mess up my my routines, you know. Um like I try to be healthy. I try to sleep well and, uh, and to kind of create routines where I like, like, I like to go to bed kind of early, even mm. though I like to party. So it's not always easy, but yeah. I always wake up early, no matter what I wake up early and I like to get my coffee, go to the studio directly, mm. pretty much directly. And I, and, and then have lunch with someone, you know, take a break of the day, have lunch with someone. And then in the evening, you know, uh, then I can do whatever I want, but I kind of like to keep the nine to five kind of vibe because that's what helped yeah. me a lot when I was really working nine to five. I was so productive that I I'm trying to force that uh, that workflow to my life today, and yeah. uh, squeezing some some sport workout and uh, and and still have like a strong social life where I can do a lot of things in the evening, even though I don't have a lot of time. So I try to squeeze all that in a really organized way. Yeah. However, yeah. <laughs> I can, I can manage that quite well and it's going to work amazingly. And then you go on tour and on tour, you cannot do anything like on tour. You like mm -hmm. on tour is just like it's flights, it's shows, it's sleep. You just, it's drinking. It's just like, you're, it's like a big mess of everything. And you just try to do everything in the order that you can, but it's right. always a different order. So that really fucks up everything. And every time I come back from tour, I need a few days to actually get back to a normal yeah. kind of, um, routine, I guess. And I see, I see people doing that a lot better than I do, but yeah, I try my best. Do you make music while you're on tour or just at the studio? Uh, I, I definitely do. Uh, but it's, but it's rather just putting ideas together. Mm than actually making music i'm really bad um i'm really bad with like headphones and, and just a simple laptop right, i yeah. i like air uh in between the speakers <laughs> in my ears you know um yeah, fair enough. like really so it doesn't warm up my ears and i just feel more mm. comfortable and, and creative i guess um yeah i'm i i guess for that i'm kind of like um what's the term for it uh like I like the luxury of being in the studio to write music. Yes. Uh, and, and that kind of affects me when I'm on tour, but I still do it. Cause I like, I feel the need to, and, and I like to do it. So, 
but I but I always feel like I cannot go too far in because I'm like, oh, but wait, I'm on headphones. Maybe it doesn't sound that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just gonna l- like let leave it like that. You know, like I'm not gonna resample in audio or do destructive work. I'm gonna keep mm-hmm. everything open, you know, um, so I can tweak patches and tweak the mix. Um, to make sure if it wasn't that good, I can still fix it in the studio afterwards. So I leave every door kind of open. Uh, while in the studio, I can work a lot more destructively, you know, where you can resample in audio and then you cannot go back in, you know, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, it's a completely different workflow. What would be your ideal ratio between touring and like being in the studio? Like, are you touring 10% of the year, 20% of the year, 80%? Cause I know every artist is different. I know some people love being on the road and playing shows and they would play like 150 shows a year if they could. And others are like, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Like I just want to have a show every now and again to bring in the income, but I want to spend most of my time in the studio. What's it like for you? Uh, I think it really depends on, um, yeah, it, it really depends. I, I I love traveling, so um, I definitely like to travel and to, to tour. Uh, but it's I started touring like five years ago, and like more intensely right. four years ago. So it's been it's been a, a moment now, and um, oh, I I definitely don't feel bad about uh, if I would tour a bit less, um, especially to like heavy travels for for like smaller shows and stuff like that. I, um, I would love to keep things more like in the weekends and bigger shows, uh, like ultimately, you know, maybe just like big festivals and, and big shows once, uh, here and there, but mm. it's also just normal when I think you, you get older and you have done that a lot, but, but right now I don't mind still like traveling like, every weekend is cool. Like I don't, I don't mind. And sometimes right. living for two weeks, it's also really cool in me. Okay. One more question. And most of the guests who come on hate this question because it's hard to answer, but let's say you're walking along <laughs> in your hometown, you're walking down the street, you know, sunny day and uh, a UFO comes down, these aliens and they're going to abduct you, but they give you a piece of paper and a pen. And they say that you can write three pieces of advice on this piece of paper to leave behind. Uh, for the world or just for producers if you want to make it easier what's on that piece of paper it's, it's pretty cool pretty cool way of putting that question together yeah. it's like it's like give give advice to like producers slash the world uh but you put it in a way where you get adapted by yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool i like it Thanks, um it's definitely a hard question but um on a really maybe basic and cheesy way of saying it I guess, you know, like the basic YOLO carpe diem thing, just mm. you might get abducted by you, a UFO tomorrow. So please enjoy every second of your life. You know, that would definitely be the first advice, um, as cliche as it might sound. Uh, but I would, I'm sure I would write it even more if I would get abducted mm. by a UFO. Um, I think the, the second thing would be like, yo, watch out. It, aliens actually exists, you know, because uh, <laughs> that's pretty that. cool. Like, <laughs> if I can leave that on Earth and like really say it, like, yo, guys, it's real, you know, uh, I would, I would definitely do it. Um, 
and the third thing would be um uh, i don't know actually what would be the third thing like an advice for for like for the world or for like producer I, for either, the, either either um oh, we can stick with two if you can't think of anything well but it, it's it's difficult to just justify why you would only put a third one like you know uh if you would put one but not talk about all the others you know it, it mm. that means it's a really important one you know and <laughs> I, I guess that's why i struggle because everything i i come up with i'm like wait but if i see that why wouldn't yeah. i say anything else you know um but yeah i guess i i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna keep with two before saying too too much dumb stuff i already said <laughs> the second one was already dumb so i will keep it here <laughs> No, it's a really good point though. No one's ever said that second one. It's like, yeah, you've been abducted by aliens. That's never happened before. So maybe you should write that down. Um, yeah. <laughs> John, John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Finally, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and, and check out your music? Yeah, well, I guess just uh, they can just type Apache uh, uh, anywhere on the internet, on SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever. Just make sure you don't write with CH, but with SH. That's the only. Awesome. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Of course, man. <laughs>